on February 3rd. Uh, this meeting's really important. We're going to vote on um, our new candidate, and we are going to vote on the budget. So if you are able to show up, that would be excellent. Uh, we're hoping to have both options, both in person and online. So if you are going to join us online, if you could please just let the office know so that we can give you the right forms and link for that. Also, um, if you want a hard copy or an electronic copy of the ministry annual reports or the budget or the uh, deacon nominee bios, please contact Bonita at the church office and she will ensure that you get those forms. Lastly, uh, we're still um, worshiping online and at home until we are able to, uh, the government will allow us to uh, open up at 30% capacity. So that's kind of the, the, where we're going to aim for is th the 30%. So until that happens, we're just going to continue just to do the online services. So I'm just going to pray and commit our service to the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness to us, Lord. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that um, you would just open up our ears and our hearts, God, just to see what you have to, to speak to us and, and to teach us, God. And I pray for Pastor Mark as he preaches on Jonah, Lord. I pray, God, that um, that you would just speak through Mark, God, and that uh, you would just allow us just to grow deeper into our faith, Father. And we just commit this service into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's the kids' time, and then we'll hear Pastor Mark's sermon. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much for joining us again this morning. Uh, I would encourage you, turn with me to the book of Jonah as we come in our series on Jonah to chapter 2. And as you're flipping there in your Bibles, uh, I just want to tell you a little story about three pastors uh, who were on the phone together uh, talking about prayer. And they were on the phone, they were debating what the most effective position was in order to pray in. And as they were talking, there was a telephone repairman who was up on a telephone pole outside working on the phone system who could overhear this conversation they were having. And the first pastor shared that he felt that the key to praying was in the hands. He, he always held his hands together when he prayed and he pointed them upwards as a form of symbolic worship. While the second disagreed and suggested the real prayer was best conducted when you were on your knees. Of course, the third then suggested that both of them were wrong. The only position that was worthwhile was to pray while stretched out flat on your face as a sign of humility. Well, by this time, the telephone repairman couldn't stay out of the conversation any longer. And he interjected saying, I'm not sure about the rest of you, but I found that the most powerful prayer I ever made well, while I was dangling upside down by my heels from a power pole suspended 40 feet above the ground. And I think the telephone pole man, repairman had a point. Because sometimes the most powerful position for prayer in our lives comes when we, we find ourselves in a tough position. And this morning, we're going to see Jonah could relate to that. Because perhaps the most powerful prayer 
that Jonah ever prayed was not while he folded his hands or got on his knees. His most powerful prayer came from a place of very deep trouble as he finds himself within the belly of a fish. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, Jonah's prayer. But before we jump in, let's just pray together and invite God into our talk this morning. Father God, uh, we thank you for, well, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done for us as your people. And Lord, we thank you for prayer. Lord, even as we come before you in our time together, Lord, we know that you hear us. We know that you answer us and that, Lord, we pray that this prayer would draw us closer to you. And that, Lord, uh, in our time this morning, as we gather together, as we open up your word, that your Holy Spirit uh, would be the one who teaches us, to be the one who enlightens us, to brings us, brings us truth and uh, just places it in our hearts, that we might grow in it, uh, that we might learn from it, that we might gain wisdom from it. Uh, wisdom for living and, Lord, wisdom for, for walking more closely with you. So, Lord, we just invite you into our time. And that, Lord, even though we are scattered as a congregation, Lord, we know that we are all together united uh, by your Spirit, together. Thank you for this. And again, be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we come to Jonah, I want to read you just a, what I thought was a cute version uh, from the book of Jonah, from the style of Dr. Seuss. It was written by John Ortberg in his book, All the Places You'll Go. And it says this, it says, God to Jonah. God said to Jonah, could you, would you go to preach? Could you, would you go to reach the people of Assyria for you fit my criteria? And Jonah says to the Lord, I would not go there in a boat. I would not go there in a float. I would not go there in a gale. I would not go there in a whale. I do not like the people there. If they all died, I would not care. I would not go to that great town. I'd rather choke. I'd rather drown. I will not go by land or sea, so stop this talk and leave me be. So God said, go. Jonah said, no. God said, blow. Jonah said, so. The captain said, bro. Jonah says, throw. So they tossed Jonah in and he sank very low. But God had more places for Jonah to go. And that's actually what brings us right up to speed with where we are in the book of Jonah. Um, as you remember, God asked Jonah to go to preach to the city of Nineveh. But instead of going, Jonah runs and tries to flee on his boat to Tarshish. And so God sends a storm and with nothing else to do, uh, they actually throw Jonah overboard into the sea. And we left off last week. That's where we left off last week. Bit of a cliffhanger because we never really dealt with it. But I doubt that Jonah actually saw this coming. As Jonah chapter 1 verse 11 says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And you know, from that moment on, I'm not sure anyone has mentioned the name Jonah without somebody thinking about that fish. I mean, there's an old saying that says, you know, there's no small roles, only small actors. Well, in the story of Jonah, this great fish had a very small role, and yet no one can really stop talking about it. In fact, a far larger amount of the critical and academic attention that the book of Jonah gets is actually paid to this fish. Um, it, and I'll, I guess you can understand why. I mean, I, a man living inside of a fish for three days is quite literally a whale of a tail. 
Uh, one commentary said, there have been oceans, there have been oceans of ink used by people to try to rationalize or justify Jonah's three days inside that fish. And people have, all, that's all kinds of crazy, people have tried to guess the species of fish. They have, people have tried to calculate Jonah's potential oxygen need over three days, and they've divided it by the cavity spaces of different whales and other sea creatures. One author even went so far as suggesting Jonah must have been short. He must have been like shorter than three feet tall just to make the science work, because if he was smaller, he'd need less oxygen. But you know what? Really, when it comes down to it, it's not about the size of the fish, and it's not about the size of the man that's important here. It's about the size of our God. That makes the difference. Or or to say it another way, it's not about whether there is sort of some rare set of naturally occurring conditions in which this could actually happen naturally. It's about the fact that it would actually take a miracle. And a miracle is just what we get. And we get a picture of that, again, as we look at, at chapter 1, verse 17. It says, again, the Lord appointed, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And that word appointed there is a very important word. It's a very specific word. Some Bibles translate it as, as God prepared a great fish or even commissioned a great fish. And that's the meaning behind the word. Uh, it's letting us know that this was not just some random fish that just happened to sort of be in the area at the time. This was a fish God appointed. Now, this was a fish God set apart for this very purpose. This was a fish on a divinely appointed mission from God. I kind of picture it as God, God says to this fish, you know, go to this exact place at this exact time for this one specific reason to pick up this guy, Jonah, who's going to be floating around in the water. And, and listen, this is important, you know, swallow, don't chew. Like, you know, if you're going to get Jonah down. Um, this was a miracle. This was a divinely appointed moment. It was not a random encounter. It was not sort of a natural phenomenon. Uh, so to look at the story of Jonah and say, you know, I don't believe it because a fish couldn't do that, it would be as silly as looking, you know, reading the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and saying, well, bread can't do that. Or, or saying, you know, water can't do that after Jesus turned it into wine. We are talking here about events that are, that are beyond the natural. Um, I mean, and God could have done it another way. He could have sent a million guppies to sort of swim and lift Jonah up out of the sea. He could have sent a chariot of fire to, to come down to Jonah's rescue. Uh, he could have instantly, from the water, transported Jonah through space and time to land right in the middle of the city of Nineveh, instantly. But he didn't. God chose to use a great fish to miraculously do his will in this situation. And once inside that fish, Jonah... I mean. Things just sort of really suddenly slow down for us. I mean, Jonah chapter 1 is, is all action. It's all go, go, go. There's running and there's fleeing and there's sailing and there's swimming and probably sinking. But then Jonah chapter 2, there's a lull. There's this sort of sudden stop to all of this going that was going on. But it's not like there's a lot of options left for Jonah, I guess, once he was inside that fish. I mean, think about it. It's too dark to read. Probably too cramped to do push-ups. I don't know. There's no place to recharge his phone. So what do you do? Well, Jonah prays. Or maybe I should say Jonah, when he gets inside that fish, Jonah finally prays. Because 
Jonah could have prayed long before this. He could have prayed when he was on the road to Joppa. He could have, he could have prayed at the port, you know, where he boarded the ship. He could have prayed when the captain of that ship woke him up in a panic and actually begged him to pray. He could have prayed, you know, when he was on the deck of the boat and it was being torn apart by the waves and the wind. And yet he doesn't. He doesn't pray in any of those situations. So after overlooking several good opportunities to get on his knees, God, I think, arranges for Jonah this nice, quiet, private, living, swimming prayer closet uh, so that God could have Jonah's undivided attention. And then, finally, finally, Jonah prays. But he doesn't just pray because he's bored. He doesn't just pray because he doesn't have anything else to do when he's sitting inside a fish. I think the real reason that Jonah finally stops to pray is because he's finally, finally come to a place of surrender in his life. Jonah prays because, well, he's finally ready to stop running. Because Jonah knew that prayer meant humbling himself before God. He knew that in order to get on his knees before God, he knew that that meant submission and submission to God's will, which he wasn't ready for in his life until this very moment. So for Jonah, finally hitting bottom was probably the very best place for him to be because that is what it took. That was the only thing sort of extreme enough in his life to bring him back to a place where he was ready to enter back into fellowship with God. And in chapter 2, Jonah tells us through his prayer what that moment was like. Jonah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, says, Then Jonah prayed, to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All the waves in your billows, they passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed over me, in over me, to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. And at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God, when my life was fainting away. Jonah here is describing, I think, the terror and just the fear of being helpless against the ocean currents that were swirling around him, the waves crashing in upon him, pushing him deeper and deeper as he sank into the sea. Jonah, I mean, he tells us the water was closing in on him. You know, there was no way back to the surface. He, he tells us the horror of having water enter his throat and seaweed tangle around his head. He even tells us of the moment that he literally hits the bottom. And just imagine the fear of feeling yourself strike bottom and knowing there is no way back, back to the top as your lungs are about to explode. And you can feel your very life fading away. This is a prayer of a man who's bottomed out. This is a prayer of a man who knows he's come to the end. But more than that, as we'll see, 
miraculously, this is also a prayer of hope. The hope that can be found even when you feel like you're in a position where you have nothing left. And I think that's what makes this passage so relevant to many of our lives. Because there are many people who feel like they are in a spot right now where they are. They're in over their head. They feel like they're drowning. They feel like they're sinking and they're sinking fast with whatever circumstances are coming into their lives. There are many people who are feeling helpless in all of the situations they find in their life that they have to face. So I just want to give you just a couple of observations about this prayer of Jonah that I think we need to know as we come before the Lord in prayer as well. I think the first observation that really matters here is that God hears the prayers of his people when they are in tough places. I mean, Jonah knew that his plight was, I mean, it was even his own fault. And yet he called to the Lord and God responded. I mean, he says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. He says, I called out and you heard my prayers. And what's amazing to me is that God's answer to that prayer is not spiteful. It's not Jonah, I told you so. Like, Jonah, I knew this was going to be happen. You know, it's not this arrogant Jonah. It just serves you right. No, when Jonah prays, God answers his prayer with mercy. Even mercy to this wayward and stubborn, stubborn child. And it just tells me God's desire is not to rub our noses in our past mistakes or our current problems. God's desire is to, is to help lift us out of the pit that we find ourselves in, even if it's a pit of our own making, the pit we've dug for ourselves. And we see God is constantly doing that in the book of Jonah. I mean, I mentioned this before, but with Jonah, the key word to describe his actions is the word down. Uh, You know, Jonah goes down to Joppa. He goes down into the ship. He lies down to sleep. He's cast down into the depths of the sea. Now, one person said it like this. It's like the hole in the bottom of the sea song. Where with Jonah, it's like there's a man and a fish in a storm by a boat in a hole in the bottom of the sea. I mean, it just, it doesn't get any lower for Jonah, for Jonah. But what's God doing all of this time in Jonah's life? Well, God says to Jonah, rise up and go to Nineveh. He, he, captain wakes him up. The sailors pick him up. The fish gobbles him up. Later, the fish is going to throw him up. Every step that Jonah takes seems to be in the wrong direction. Yet every step of the way, God is there using his circumstances to try to get Jonah back on track. And I love the thought of that. I I mean, even Jonah being cast into the sea was something that God was going to use in Jonah's life to lift him up and restore him to his rightful place. So please hear this. Because God is a good God. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. And hear this too. That God is a God who answers prayer. And that is a good thing. Because as we look more at Jonah's prayer here, we, we actually see, again, he reveals how much trouble he was in. But that leads us to our next lesson about this prayer. Which is the realization of how hitting the bottom actually helped Jonah realize just how off track his life had become. And you know what? When hardships come into our lives... They should be seen as opportunities for us really to examine our lives, examine our circumstances, and more specifically, 
Examine where we are in our relationship with God. And, you know, that is something we should probably be doing more of in our lives, all of our lives. Uh, You know, I often tell people, most of us spend more time worrying about how our hair looks than we do worrying about the condition of our souls. But hardship, hardship can bring those eternal matters more into focus in our lives. Never miss out on Never miss out on the opportunity of, of seeing the perspective that hitting rock bottom can, can, can bring. Never miss out on the opportunity to use your hard times just to look at your life and say, God, where are we? What am I doing here? And, and what's my relationship with you? Because look at Jonah's own words. Verse 3 of chapter 2. He says, For you cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All of your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Jonah is examining where he is in his relationship with God. And to me, this is an important moment for Jonah because he understands in this moment that all of his plans, all of his stubbornness, all of his rebellion, in all of those things, He almost got exactly what he was hoping for. You know that old saying, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it? Jonah's desire from from basically the first verse was to run from God and flee from his presence. But when Jonah is sinking into the sea, his heart suddenly understood exactly what the consequences of those choices could have been in his life. Separation from God. And maybe you're in a place in your life where you just don't understand what God is doing. You don't understand why you have to go through the circumstances that you are facing right now. You can't see the purpose for your current situation. Maybe you even feel like you've hit rock bottom. Well, then perhaps this is a moment for you, just like Jonah, for you to re-examine your life, some of the choices that you're making. And it's also a time for you to really re-examine your relationship with God, and to seek the Lord. Let these hardships let you, lead you to a place where you're seeking the Lord in the midst of these struggles. Because that's exactly what Jonah does. Verse 7 says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah makes a choice. And what he might have thought was his last act of obedience or repentance, Um, Jonah turns his eyes towards the Lord. And again, he repents and he prays. And that is what brings us to the next interesting thing about Jonah's prayer in this situation. Verse 8 and 9 says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. And this is always interesting to me. Again, notice here that Jonah is actually thankful. And he's thankful even though he's still stuck inside of that fish. Uh, And I cannot say being stuck in a fish would be comfortable. I mean, if you know me, I'm not a fan of what's on the outside of a fish. I can't imagine being stuck on the inside of a fish. It would have been awful. Just, oh, it would be so bad. Um, And yet even in that awful place, we see Jonah's prayer here is still filled with thanksgiving and thankfulness to God. And it's a prayer of thankfulness, again, while he's still stuck in that difficult place. 
Thankfulness, even though he's still in the midst of deep discomfort. Thankfulness, even though I'm sure he has still has unresolved questions about how this is all going to end. And notice his prayer is not, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful I'm alive, but I'm still stuck in a fish. Can you get me out of here? No, his prayer is, God, even in this hard place, I'm not going to trust idols. I'm not going to trust power. I'm not going to trust, you know, my money or anything else. Lord, I realize in this place my life is in your hands and that my hope and my trust is in you and you alone to see me through. And God, that's going to be enough for me. Because this prayer of thankfulness is born out of Jonah's trust and faith in God. He doesn't need to see how it ends to know that God will deliver him. Jonah puts his trust in God as he prays. So in the end for Jonah, when he hits rock bottom, that's a place where he finds God revealing himself to be an even greater, even more gracious God than Jonah even understood before. And as Jonah is about to find out, God still has work for him to do. But we're going to look at that calling in Jonah's life more in detail next time as he gets thrown up and he has to go on to Nineveh. But you know what? For the rest of our time this morning, let me just give you four quick applications uh, that we can, again, just learn, learn more about Jonah's prayer this morning. These are just a few words of advice that I sort of drew out of this, this passage that I think can help us more fully understand and more fully put this truth of this passage into a practice in our lives. And these aren't going to be long, but I think, I think in looking at this passage, these are things that I think are important for us to see and realize. And the first is this. Um, we really need to beware of prayerlessness in our lives. Um, you know, you may read the book of Jonah and think to yourself, well, I'm not actively running from God. But you know what? If you're not actively spending time in prayer with God, chances are your relationship with God, chances are you are drifting apart in your relationship with him. We need the connection with God in our lives that prayer brings. And it needs to be active. It needs to be regular. It needs to be frequent. If you want God to work in your life, if you want to be the person God is calling you to be, if you want to do the things that God is calling you to do, you need to be a person of prayerfulness. And you know, just as an aside here, let me ask you this question. If you're in your life, if you're not being prayerful right now, what would God need to do in your life to get your attention, to get you back to a place where you're seeking him? Would he need to seek, send a crisis? Would he need to bring a storm? Would he need to appoint a fish to swallow you up just to slow you down long enough to put your focus back on him? We need to be prayerful. Now, not too long ago, we put on a church sign the saying, if you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. So beware a prayerless life. Then the second thing I think we should learn from this passage is that when you don't have the words to pray, you should pray through the book of Psalms. Um, Jonah knew this very well. And this is something very interesting about Jonah's prayer is that nearly every phrase and every word of Jonah's prayer in this passage can actually be found elsewhere in the book of Psalms. Someone estimated that Jonah quotes no less than eight different psalms in this passage. 
when, as he makes this prayer his own. And I would actually encourage every one of you to include this in your prayer time. Include time where you meditate on the Psalms and other scriptures in your prayer life. That's a very healthy habit for us to engage in. As someone once said, you know, most of, the most of Scripture speaks to us, but the book of Psalms speaks for us. The, the Psalms are the words that God himself gives to us for those times in our lives when our own words fail. The Psalms provide us with a language to pray that expresses the greatest depths of range, uh, of ranges of depths of heart and emotion. Um, the book of Psalms gives us words when, when our old souls sort of run dry. Psalms remind us of our hope in God so eloquently when everything in our world around us feels like it's falling apart. Even Jesus on the cross turned to the book of Psalms for the words to express his heart's longing. If you want a powerful experience in your, in your prayer life, just pick one or two Psalms a day then sit down with your Bible open and meditate on the words that God himself has given to us and pray. So include Psalms in your prayer life. Then the third application I want to give you today is this. Um, you need to know that God can use even the worst hardships that you're going through for your good and his glory. Uh, again, sometimes you have to stop and face things and go through circumstances in your life that you just don't want to face. But know that even then, God will still be at work in your life. And he will be using those things if you're ready to surrender them and your life to him. God can use even rock bottom places in life to get his people to grow and get his people back on track for living for him. And it's not always easy. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes you don't even know as you're going through these circumstances, you don't even know how God is going to use it. You don't know how God is going to work. And sometimes you're, you struggle for years to come. But you know what? If you keep surrendering and keep living for God, one day you look back on those times and you say, you know, I'd never want to go through that, whatever it was again. But I realized how much I learned going through it, how much I grew closer to God by going through those times. God can use those hard times in our life in very deep and profound ways. And you need to know there's no path um, that you are walking that God cannot provide a way for you to get back to him. There's no experience in your life that is wasted if you're willing to surrender it and your life to the Lord. God uses those hard times in our life in profound and deep ways. Which leads us to our final lesson this morning. And I think this is probably the big one. And that is, as we look at this passage, we realize that our God is a God of grace and second chances. Because I don't want to sugarcoat this. By any standard you want to measure it by, Jonah probably deserved to die. I mean, honestly, if I had to make the call, <laughs> I know which way I'd go. I mean, Jonah made one mistake after another. And he did it on purpose. I mean, he had willingly turned his back on his calling and his faith and his God. And he was actively fleeing from the presence of God. I mean, when those soldiers or sailors threw him over the side of the boat, if God had just left him to his fate when he was sinking into the sea, no one would have blamed God a bit. It would have been only what Jonah deserved. 
But you realize that is not who God is. And we see as Jonah prays in verse 9, he says, What I have vowed I will will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Jonah experiences the grace of God. God rescues him. And he gets a chance to start over. God returns to Jonah, even this stubborn, wayward, wayward, fleeing child. God returns to him the opportunity to make good on what God had originally called him to do. God gives Jonah another chance. Another chance to do the right thing. And he didn't deserve it. And he in no way earned it. But God granted it in response to Jonah's repentance. Because that's who God is. And you know, one of the saddest facts I know is that there are millions of people out there who think God has given up on them. That they've blown it, they've fallen, that they've made mistakes. And they think that because of what they have done, God doesn't want anything to do with them anymore. But nothing could be farther from the truth. None of those things in your past can affect your future relationship with the Lord. Because God is always waiting for his children to return to him. God is that loving father who is always waiting with open arms to welcome his beloved children back home, back to himself. And I think I've told you this before, but you know what? Jesus didn't die for perfect people. People who never make mistakes. He died for us. He died for sinners. He died for people who run when they should stand and sometimes who stand when they should run. He died for people who make mistakes, who make blunders, who who sometimes take the wrong path, who make the wrong decisions, who go the wrong way. But hear this, just because you've stumbled a few times, it doesn't mean the story of your life and your relationship with God is ruined. Just because you've made some bad choices doesn't mean you're out of the race. And God still has a plan for your life that doesn't have to be buried under the mistakes of your past. God can still work out his plan and his purpose in your life. No matter what situation you find yourself in right now, he can do that starting today. Because God wants to do a work in your life, just like he did with Jonah. God wants to reconnect that relationship you have with him, no matter where you are. So how can you make that opportunity your own? Well, you can do what Jonah did in our passage. When you find yourself in a place where you need a second chance, you stop running, you repent. That means you turn away from the direction you're going and the choices you've been making, and you reconnect with God. Stop running, repent, and reconnect with God. And for me personally, I mean, even today, I'm so glad I serve a God of mercy and grace and second chances and fifth chances and 100th chances because I've needed them. I'm thankful because God only knows where I would be if God gave me only what I deserved. But instead, God has offered me grace. Because as someone once said, when we get to heaven, there will be no contest to see who was the most deserving of God's grace because no one deserves it. 
There will only be one contest in heaven. When we look back and see where we were before, when we see the pit from which he rescued us, the only contest will be to see which of us can sing the loudest. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God won't give up on you. Even if you've given up on yourself, God will never stop trying to draw you to himself. God wants to lift your life out of the pit and put you back on the path. God never, he's never, he never wants you to settle for anything less than living a life fully for him and with him. God is a God of grace and God is a God of second chances. And that's the lesson a person can learn. Even when they hit rock bottom and they pray a desperate prayer from the inside of a fish. Let's pray together. Lord God, um, how grateful, how thankful we should all be that we serve a God of grace and a God of answered prayer. And that, Lord, your love for us, even Even though sometimes, Lord, we can be selfish, even though sometimes, Lord, we can be stubborn, even sometimes we can be rebellious as your children, how thankful we should be that your love still overwhelms us. And, you know, just like Jonah, Lord, we want you to use our lives because you've given us a purpose. You've given us a mission. You've given us a calling. As your people, we are to live with you and for you. And Lord, if there's anyone here who's listening right now, who's in a hard place, I pray, Lord, that they would know that, Lord, you can use that hard place to build their faith and to draw them closer to you. And Lord, if there's anyone here who's listening and they know they've strayed, Lord, from your presence that they've been rebellious, that they've rejected the things that they know to be true, that they've gone their own way. Lord, I pray that those people would know that, Lord, you are only a prayer away. If they repent and return to you, that, Lord, they will find that second chance waiting and that, Lord, you will welcome them home. And, Lord, I just, again, I pray that all of us, that we would commit ourselves to being prayerful people, That, Lord, even though we're not actively running by not praying, Lord, we know our relationship drifts from you. But, Lord, make us prayerful. Make our times of prayer regular and frequent and oh so sweet as we enter into your presence. And that we may walk with you and be with you, uh, Lord, in those moments of prayer all of our days. And, Lord, we thank you just again, like Jonah, that you never give up on us. That you love us so much that you won't let us settle for less than a life lived fully for you and with you all of our days. Thank you for calling us and drawing us to yourselves in every way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.